And welcome on into Hick at Night with yours truly, Ryan Hickey. A happy Saturday to you. A happy weekend to you. And thank you. Thank you. I know you got a lot of choices, a lot of content out there to uh, to consume. And we do thank you for choosing us right here on CBS Sports Radio. Spend your time with on this Saturday morning. All right, we talked a lot of Deion Sanders. We will circle back to that here in a little bit. But I want to get to another big-time college football program right now going through it. Look, it's obvious, right? Alabama this season is not winning a national title. They're not winning the SEC West, and I don't think they're even going to finish in the top 15 when it's all said and done in the final rankings of the season. This is going to be Alabama's worst year since they went 7-6 and six in Nick Saban's first season uh, in Tuscaloosa back in 07. Not saying they're going to win seven games. 9-3? and 8-4? and four? For Alabama standards, is horrendous. It's absolutely a brutal, brutal season. And I think the one person that deserves the most blame for this down year at Alabama, it's Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban because he overlooked the two most important aspects, or two most important positions, if you will, in college football. Quarterback and coaching. This season, he overlooked both, and right now, both are botting him in the butt big time. Both are the reasons why Alabama's 1-1 one and one and are not a serious playoff contender even going into the season, let alone now coming out of, so far, week number two. You look right now at the news coming out of Tuscaloosa on um, on Friday, and that's that Jalen Miller is getting benched, and it's going to be Tyler Buckner now being the starter for uh, the Tide against South Florida. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Shouldn't come as a shock right now that two games in, Milrow can't hold on to the job and now has to be replaced. You know why it's not a surprise? You know why at least I'm not shocked by this news? Because Nick Saban basically told you this was coming way back in April. April. He telegraphed this move. Because in April, after the spring game was complete, what did Nick Saban do? He dove back into the transfer portal. He had 15 spring practices to see what Jalen Milrow could be as a starter. What Ty Simpson could be as a starter. And you know what he said? Oh, boy. We're in trouble. No Bryce Young on this team. No Tua Tungvaloa throwing the ball this year for Alabama. No Mac Jones coming in to sling it left and right. We got nothing. We need help. And that's why I went into the transfer portal and got Tyler Buckner out of Notre Dame. Got him late. He went late because he realized, I got nothing. And that's where Nick Saban deserves the blame. He should have recognized his problem earlier. He should have realized, coming off of last season, going into this season, they needed a quarterback upgrade. Look how last year went for Alabama. They were 11-2, which again, I know is great for 99% of college football programs. But at Alabama, it is truly championship or bust, bare minimum, College football playoff or bust. Alabama with a 10-2 regular season. Did it win the SEC West. Obviously didn't make the college football playoff. But a large part of why they were 10-2 and not worse. Forget about almost beating Tennessee and almost beating LSU. They are lucky their record was not worse because of one man, Bryce Young. 
Bryce Young on offense, and we'll even say Will Anderson Jr. on defense. But especially offensively, it was Bryce Young, it was Jameer Gibbs, and nobody else. No one else. No one else stepped up in the run game. No one else was reliable on the offensive line. No receiver separated themselves to be a, a dynamic force to take over a game. It was really the Bryce Young show. All the pressure was put on Young's shoulders to lead this offense to success. And his credit, he did it. He did it for most of that season. But now when he went first overall in the NFL draft, Saban should have realized, well, we don't have right now much of a run game, especially when Jameer Gibbs is also drafted in the first round. So you lose a first-round running back, don't replace him with anyone uh, near his talent. You don't have any receivers either on your roster or in the transfer portal that you could bring in to be that alpha dog number one receiver that we've seen Alabama have for years now with Jerry Judy, with Devontae Smith, with uh, Jamison Williams and John Mechie. No one right now on this roster receiver-wise at that level of uh, of excellence. And quarterback, especially you take a massive drop-off. You have the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, and now you are replacing him in an offense that was Bryce Young-reliant and Bryce Young-dependent last year to win 11 games, you replace them, or replace him, I should say, with a combination of Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and eventually Tyler Buckner. Saban should have known better. He's no dummy. He's not losing his fastball. This one he missed, though. This offseason, he missed. He should have taken the quarterback position seriously, and he, not even seriously, he should have recognized what he had or really what he didn't have sooner. Because let me just tell you the quarterbacks he could have had this offseason, which I think would have drastically changed Alabama's trajectory in 2023. He could have had Sam Hartman in the transfer portal, left Wake Forest, right now at Notre Dame. Look at Notre Dame. I'll be honest. I was not a big Notre Dame believer this season. Sam Harmon has come in now and so far through three games, really elevated that offense, has plugged a position where Notre Dame for a long time has struggled to get a a legitimate game-changing quarterback. He has filled that void. And now going into next week's massive slate, but Notre Dame's massive game at home against Ohio State, I think the Irish are winning, in large part because Sam Harmon. Imagine he was at uh, Alabama right now. I think that Texas game would have gone a lot differently. DJ Uwe Ungolay which I get had a little bit of a stink on him coming from Clemson with how bad that offense was in two years of him as a starter. But look at him now at Oregon State. He has an offense line to protect for him. Good run game, solid receivers. Guys look like a totally different quarterback. He's looking like the five-star recruit he was coming out of high school. He could have been Alabama's quarterback this year. Devin Leary, solid North Carolina State starter. Solid player. Could have him. Now he's in your conference at Kentucky. Brennan Armstrong, again, solid guy, solid arm, especially coming out of Virginia. You could add him. Now he's at uh, NC State. Tanner Mordecai, coming out of SMU, more of an air raid kind of thrower, but still a good thrower of the football. Could add him. He's at Wisconsin. Spencer Sanders, 10-year starter, felt like at, at Oklahoma State, won a lot of games, super experienced, a veteran presence that I know Nick Saban does value. Could add him. He went to Ole Miss to be a backup to Jackson Dart. Those are the names. Any one of those names. Saban could have went into the portal and grabbed. And I think would have put Alabama in a way different position this season than where they are right now. But instead, he waited too long. Either waited too long or believed too much in what he had 
and now is left basically holding nothing. That, if you want to call it patience, misguidedness, just flat-out swing and miss on the quarterback position is a large part right now why Alabama lost to Texas last week. And why I think they're going to be like a 9-3, and 8-4 and four team. Where you still have LSU, Ole Miss on the schedule. You get some tough games still. Not out of the woods whatsoever. Even Auburn, I think, is going to be a tricky game at the end of the season. One of the biggest reasons right now, because Alabama, and why I was not a believer in Alabama in the preseason coming into this season, and hopefully you listened last week. A lot of Alabama fans called last week. Told you Texas was going to win. Very quiet so far this week. But the reason why I was so high on, on Texas was because you see this quarterback position and you see the deficiency Alabama's had. It's been a very long time. Really since probably 2015 with Jacob Coker at quarterback that Alabama's been this bad at the most important position. But unlike that Coker-led 2015 team that won a national title, this year's Alabama team is not good enough at receiver, offensive line, receive, uh, I said receiver ready, running back, and defense to make up for a less talented quarterback. That 2015 team was loaded, and they carried the quarterback. This year's team is not. They need the quarterback to carry them like Bryce Young carried them last year. And that is where Saban has missed. He does not have a quarterback on this roster who can carry this team the way they need to be carried. That, to me, is a big miss on Nick Saban and why he deserves the most blame. Now, I'm not putting it all on, on Saban. And again, this blame is for just this season. Not saying he should be fired. Not saying the loss is fastball. Or not even saying that Alabama won't win another national title. I'm not ready to go there yet. This season, this season only, is a failure and it starts with Saban. But it's also on the coaching staff. It's also on the coaching staff for failing to develop. That's one of the things Alabama's done so well throughout the, the Bama dynasty. It's not only getting talented kids to come to your school, but it's developing them. It's getting the most out of them. You look at Alabama's recruiting rankings the last few years, they are not this bad team this year. And again, bad, I put in air quotes for Alabama standards where they're going to be 9-3, and 8-4. and four. They're not bad because they have poor talent. Alabama has either been first or second in the recruiting rankings each of the last five years. It's not a talent deficiency as to why they lost to Texas yesterday, uh, last week. It's the development. They're getting the four- and five-star guys to Tuscaloosa at the same rate, if not higher, than they were a decade ago. The difference this year, and even really last year too, is the lack of development. The lack of turning that five-star offensive lineman into a stalwart. The lack of turning talented skill players into being game wreckers on Saturdays. The coaching staff, I think, has dropped the ball. They have absolutely dropped the ball this season, especially in terms of getting the most out of their talent. Look, Saban done, has done a great job, right, at not only recruiting, but also hiring. Look, he's hired guys like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Brian Dayball, really before Brian Dayball was, was a big name when we saw him do with the Bills. Mike Loxley had Kirby Smart on your staff for a while, right? Nick Saban has made a ton of home run hires. Now, I'm not going to sit here on September 16th, two games into a season, and tell you Tommy Reese's offense coordinator sucks. 
Kevin Steele back now with Alabama as their as his second stint as defense coordinator has lost his fastball. But overall, as a collective staff, they have not gotten this talent where it has to be. They have not gotten the most out of this roster last year and this year. Last year, Bryce Young made up for a lot. He covered up and was really the great eraser for a lot of flaws this team had. This year, they don't have an eraser. They are riding in pen, and when you make a mistake, it can't be corrected, and we are seeing that right now. Alabama last week could not block on the offensive line, could not run the ball, could not get pressure on Quinn Ewers. It's not just the quarterback. That's the problem. It's other positions as well not making plays. Not stepping up, not being forces where we're used to seeing this team be dominant in other aspects of the game in previous years. But the lack of development from the coaching staff, I think is equally a part of why Alabama right now is sitting at one and one, sitting in the country ranked 10th, and it feels like the world has fallen. Development and quarterback. Two of the biggest areas of either success or failure in college football. And right now, I think Nick Saban this season has missed on both. But especially quarterback. Quarterback is on him. And that's why for me, when you look at Alabama right now with how down I am on them, why they lost last week for the first time since 2007 in terms of losing a non-conference game, losing at home by double digits for the first time since 2003, a lot of firsts were made last week in their loss to Texas. A lot of negative firsts. I think Nick Saban deserves the most blame. For this year, he is the biggest reason why Alabama right now lost last week to Texas, right now is making a quarterback change, going into game three of the season, and right now does not have a lot of faith and a lot of positivity moving forward. So 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Who is the most to blame? Who is the most to blame right now for, let's say, the disarray Alabama football is facing? Jim has called from Georgia. What's up, Jim? Oh, nothing much except for my cousin played at Georgia, and there were two common quarterbacks that Kirby Smart may would have kicked the tires on along with Nick Saban. They had two common kids. Tyler Van Dyke, when he was talking about maybe leaving Miami. Miami. And when Quentin Hewers that beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. It was rumored that he may leave, that he needed extra assurance about Arch and deal coming in, and he got his kind of, okay, you, I still, you got your chance, you know, and Arch ain't played yet, and Quinn Hewers is getting a shot. And then my buddy I went to high school with was in Bear Bryant's last recruiting class. And the third one that Nick Saban was really interested in was Jamie Harris's kid, Walt Harris, one of the top four-rated dual-threat quarterbacks that went to LSU. Right. And yeah. he came out. He just came right out and went right to Ole Miss. He didn't consider nobody. I mean, Saban didn't even get a chance, but that's somebody he would have kicked the tires on. But then it's his fault because he hired his offensive coordinator from Notre Dame. I wouldn't have. I laughed and told my buddy and some others that are Alabama fans right out the bat when they hired him. I said, y'all screwed up on that end. See, I'm not but ready. now he has, he has a true freshman running back in the class, Justice Haynes yep. from over here in Georgia, one of the top four running backs in the nation. 
if he was at Georgia right now, he would have been got to play some with our injury thing at the bugaboos with the running backs at Georgia. Yeah, now, there's a lot of lot depth there. That kid can be a Jameer Gibbs or better. We'll see. Jim, this is what I'll say. I appreciate the call, buddy, about Nick Saban at least hiring Tommy Reese. Look, I, I, for me, I'm not ready to make a, a strong declaration that Tommy Reese can't cut it as offense coordinator. I'm not ready to go there yet. Two games, and again, I've had quarterback questions going into the season, so I'm not expecting a lot. And I don't think an offensive coordinator, when you have inconsistent quarterback play, not a great offensive line blocking in front of you, no game-breaking receivers, and questions at running back, McClendon's solid, but nothing, again, that we've seen in previous years. I'm not ready to write off Tom Reese after two games. So, again, all those questions, talent-wise or, or production-wise, we've seen um, on this Alabama offense. But the thing for Nick Saban is, again, it's a blessing and a curse comment we talked about with, with Deion Sanders a little bit. When you win, your staff gets rated. This is the fifth time in 17 years Nick Saban has had to replace his offense coordinator and the defense coordinator at the same time. He's never won a national title in this in the year where he's had to replace both offense coordinator and defense coordinator in the same offseason. It's tough. And again, I think because when you're going through so many different guys, you are destined to miss. So I'm honestly giving Saban a pass in terms of Tommy Reese this year. Not going to get crazy about the offense coordinator being the biggest reason why Alabama lost last week. But I, where I won't give a pass in is overlooking quarterback. It's not having a bigger sense of urgency and realizing we won last year in large part because of Bryce Young. Bryce Young is no longer here. How can we make sure we have, you know, not a massive drop-off at the most important position in sports? And he did not do that. And that's why, for me, Saban deserves the most blame. This is a song, if you're unaware, Levels by Avicii. This is one of those songs where I feel like I hear once every like three months. And every time I hear it, I'm like, why don't I play it more? Why do I not listen to that song more often? So, Alex, thank you for bringing it back in our life. A nice pick-me-up here, especially if maybe, you know, it's late. Most of the country, if you're getting a little sleepy, maybe, you know, it's been a long day. or up early now getting ready for work. And you still need a little kick. And then you know what, hopefully, Levels by Avicii helped, uh, helped bring you a little boost. I will circle back to Aaron, uh, I should say, to Nick Saban here in Alabama in a second. But I do want to get into Aaron Rodgers making his return, if you will. The return to the Pat McAfee show. For the first time since unfortunately injuring his Achilles back on Monday night, he has made his public appearance again at Pat McAfee show and was speaking today about his recovery, about his plans for the future. And of course, you know he was going to be asked, Aaron, are you planning on playing next season? Aaron's answer to that question was, I will, I guess, feed Aaron Rodgers' fire in the sense that I hope he returns. I think it's great for the NFL, and we were robbed as NFL fans of not seeing Aaron Rodgers with all the hype, all the pomp, all the circumstance, see if he can truly fulfill what Jets fans are looking for and getting back to the playoffs and being a, a Super Bowl contender. I hope he's back next year. I, though, am not ready to definitely say that. I would say right now it's 50-50. I'm not sold because I don't think his body can hold up. He's talking nice right now and saying, give me the doubts. All I need is a little bit of motivation and I'll be back better than ever. 
But the reality is this, right? He's turning 40 years old in two months. He's going to be almost 41 years old by the time next season rolls around. Coming off of what most athletes would call the most debilitating injury you can suffer, an Achilles tear. So you're suffering a debilitating injury at 40 years old going on 41. Going to spend an entire offseason for the first time in your career, by the way. He's never had a serious injury where you are basically by yourself rehabbing for a long portion. You hear many athletes talk about it. It is dark and it is depressing. I hope and I think Aaron Rodgers is going to try to make a comeback. But where I'm not sold is that his body is going to let him come back. He's going to rehab. I think right now when you heard him, they are planning on trying to play in 2024. But for me, at least right now, I'm not ready to say it's a definite. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm very skeptical of a guy going on 40 years old, coming off an Achilles tear. He'll be able to come back and play next season and also then, by the way, play and then be Aaron Rodgers of old, MVP Aaron Rodgers, and lead the Jets back to the playoffs. I'm very skeptical of that. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we're going to, you know, I right now would would lean more towards Rodgers not playing just because I just think physically it's so hard to do and so such a tough challenge he's going through than believing he'll be back and back better than ever. One thing, though, I am confident. One thing I am certain in is another topic talked about on the Pat McAfee show today, and that was forget about next year, 2024. Aaron. Could you be, if the Jets are in the Super Bowl, if the Jets are playing in late January, could we see you in the field in 2023? Anything is possible. Posed to the question of, could you return in 2023? Look, I don't think Aaron Rodgers actually believes that. I just think he was trying to be a nice guy and maybe not even, you know, honestly, I think part of it's lying to himself of just needing some sort of hope. And I get it. I am an eternal optimist. I understand the aspect of giving something you for you to hope for. Even if it's unrealistic, it gives you something to work for and gives you a reason to be motivated. So I get if Aaron Rodgers wants to say to himself in order to keep himself motivated and honestly keep himself in good in a good spirit by saying, you know what? Yeah, maybe I'm not going to close the door in 2023. I'm going to see how rehab goes and maybe there's a chance I can come back. But in reality, there's no chance to come back this year. No chance. Do the math. It is September right now. October's one month, November's two months, December's three months, January's four months, February, the Super Bowl is five. If he were to come back, he's got five months until the Super Bowl. For reference, I believe on record, because I've not seen a player return faster. But I think right now the, the quote-unquote record, if you want to call it that, of player to return fastest to the field from an, uh, an Achilles tear was Cam Akers back in 2021. In July of 2021, Cam Akers tore his Achilles. He returned to the field that postseason for the Rams in January. That's six months from injury to back of the field playoff time. We're talking about a month less, right? That was from July to January. We're talking about now September to February. Only five months. And we're talking about a 41-year-old, or I should say, excuse me, a 39, soon to be 40-year-old player working through that injury. No chance. No zero. He has come back this year. And if I am really wrong, and Aaron Rodgers is truly a miracle worker, and let's just say for argument's sake 
the Jets are in the AFC title game or the Jets are in the Super Bowl. Are you going to play Aaron Rodgers? My answer is no. Even if he is cleared to play, I don't say you play Aaron Rodgers. Because if the Jets are in the AFC title game or in the Super Bowl, that means uh, Zach Wilson has played well enough to to win playoff games. You're not going to accidentally go into Arrowhead Stadium and beat the Chiefs with Zach Wilson if he plays poorly. You're not going to go beat Joe Burrow in a playoff game if Zach Wilson's throwing two picks and looking skittish. If the Jets are one win away or in the Super Bowl, that means Zach Wilson or another quarterback, which we'll get to in a little bit, or another quarterback is on the roster playing really well, playing good enough for them to be in that position. And at that point, he really, if it ain't broke, you're not going to fix it. Right? I know it's Aaron Rodgers. I get it. I'm not trying to tell you that Zach Wilson or Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill or any other quarterback you want to name that the Jets could go out and acquire that they are better than Rodgers. But if they're in that spot, if they're in the Super Bowl, that means whatever quarterback they have is playing some good football. And I don't think you're going to disrupt the the good vibes that that quarterback has by bringing in what would be an ice-cold Aaron Rodgers off the bench, essentially, for the first time since playing four plays in the opener in the biggest game of your season. So I think Aaron Rodgers, honestly, was, was saying it more for himself as a reason for belief and to help get him through um, rehab. But I don't think he actually believes in his heart of hearts there is a chance he will play in 2023. Matthews calling from Detroit at 855-212-4227 with some thoughts on Aaron Rodgers. What's up, Matthew? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? A uh, couple things. I, You know, I used to be an Aaron Rodgers fan when he was on the Packers. Really? Even He's I'm assuming good. being in Detroit, are you a Lions fan? No, actually, I'm from Missouri, so I'm a Chiefs fan. Okay. I do root for the Lions now, and heartbroken week one, I will say the Lions played a great game. However, if we had Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey in, it might not have went that way. But anyway, but I heard that little uh, speech thing you played for Aaron Rodgers, and he sounds like the Statue of Liberty, you know, give me your tired, your huddled masses, and your poor, and all that <laughs> other stuff. Uh, he should not retire. He should just retire. It's, it's time for him to retire. You know, you got to know when to call it quits. Are you saying that from just because you want to see him done, or are you saying that from a physical perspective, you just don't, want, you just don't think he has anything left in the tank? Uh, I want to see him done, but I also don't want to see him come back and get hurt even more. You know, I don't want any player to get hurt severely. Right. I feel if he comes back, he's going to hurt himself even more, trying to prove that, you know, he's the best. And that's and you got nothing to prove. You're you're already good. All right. You just, just retire and go enjoy your life. That Matthew, I appreciate the comment. Is part of the reason why I'm still skeptical he's back next season. Again, I think he's going to try to give it a go, but whether his body lets him is a whole different story, and that's where my skepticism comes in just because right now, again, we've never really seen this old of an athlete try to come back from this debilitating of an injury. He sounds motivated right now. It's also, I think, easier when you're still a week removed from the injury, easier right now to have high spirits and be, oh, I'll definitely be back 12, you know, 12 months from now. It's going to be a grind. 
And again, physically, can your body hold up? I hope I'm wrong. I want to see him back on the field next year. I just right now, it just reality says that the odds are stacked against him. I just can't right now see or feel confident he will be back by the time week one of 2024 is set to kick off. Okay, we do return here at Hick at Night on CBS Sports Radio. Three at three, including we address the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift rumors. I have what some would consider maybe a hot take towards Taylor Swift. The man who is obsessed with the number three. He's a magic number. Uh, Trey, Trey Hickey. He like that's his self-given nickname. T-R-E-S is in three in Spanish. Gives you three thoughts, three opinions, three observations at 3 a.m. That's a magic number. Let's go inside the brain of Ryan Hickey at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter and see what's going on in there. It's time for three at three. 3.45 a.m. Eastern. No better time to give it three thoughts right now from yours truly on mostly non-sports related topics. Figure, you know, get a little pop culture in here, talk a little bit of uh non-sports but this first one does cross over because we have maybe the the new celebrity power couple rumors nothing confirmed rumors travis kelsey has finally swooned taylor swift and they have reportedly been quietly hanging out recently alex i gotta take you seem like you are not seem you are a reasonable person I need to know if this is a reasonable thought or if I'm crazy. Hit me. Taylor Swift is too popular to date. Ooh. If you are Travis Kelsey, look, I would go on a few dates. If she asked me out, I would go on a few dates without a doubt for the story, of course. Got a lot of people know I went on a few dates with Taylor Swift. That's awesome. But if you actually, like, if you're Travis Kelsey, who has talked on his podcast about wanting to give Taylor Swift his number and now has seemingly been working on that for the past few months and has been able to finally come through and meet up. I'm going to assume like he's looking for like a girlfriend, right? A commitment. She is too popular to actually commit to being her significant other. You're in a fishbowl 24-7, where you, you truly cannot live life like a normal person. I get athletes right there super popular, and they don't really live like pro athletes do not really live normal lives like me and you would live, right? You can't just go out to the grocery store and just right. go there unbothered and leave and go home. But it is another level with Taylor Swift. Did you see the video on Twitter over the summer where she went to a restaurant down the Jersey Shore? No one was supposed to know she was there. Word got out. And within like an hour, it just flooded. There were thousands of people outside the restaurant, like hoping to catch a glimpse of her. Yeah. That's not a life, frankly, I want to live, Alex. Yeah, me neither. So it would be cool to, again, say I went on a few dates with Taylor Swift, but in reality, she's too popular to date. Yeah, I'm with you, actually. Okay. I, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought you were gonna, I thought, I thought you were gonna give a take of like her, her music or something. I like her songs. Yeah, Karma right now is is for me one that I rock out to a ton. Great song. Um, Cruel Summer is another one. So I love her music. Um, I think she's a pretty girl. It's she's, like she's ugly. Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest, uh, yeah, I think she's probably the biggest star in the world right now in terms of entertainment. 
and she has. Oh, I be honest, I didn't realize this many people in the world. She has 272 million followers. Mm. She's a global icon. Yeah. For reference, like, would you say right now, even though he's retired, like Tom Brady's the biggest sports figure in terms of like? No. No, I, he's. I mean, like. In North America, because I know uh, you're a big soccer and tennis fan. Okay. Let's well, just keep it to the main. Sports. I mean, LeBron is probably up there. You know what? LeBron's a good one. I looked up Tom Brady on social media as a follow. Oh, Tom Brady's like not. What is he on? Like LeBron is a good one. Let me see LeBron's Instagram really fast in terms of followers, because that's a guy. Like I said, everyone, if you're not a sports fan, still knows LeBron. Mm-hmm. I think most people know Tom Brady. If you're not a sports fan, Tom Brady is 14.3 million followers on Instagram. LeBron is 158. Good call by you. LeBron is the answer, but still. That's still like 100 million less Less followers than Taylor Swift. Like, you are basically on house arrest. Now, Travis Kelsey's rich and Taylor Swift's rich. So, their house arrest is a lot comforting, a lot easier. Mm -hmm. But, like, you still just can't, like, on a random Friday night, be like, hey, you want to go out to the bar tonight? You want to go out to eat tonight? You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a life I want to live. I I, I honestly think that the uh, Trumers... Uh, rumors are untrue. There we go. I said it. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. You don't I, think they're dating? No, I, I, I just can't see Kelsey with her. I, I just can't see it. I, I just. Is he too much of a wild child, and she's too much of a? No, honestly, like I, I saw this really funny tweet because, like, you know how, like, back in the day, Taylor Swift always like made breakup songs and always, oh, yeah. yeah. So back I, in the day, she still does. Yeah, exactly. So there was this one tweet that I found hilarious where it was like, T- Travis Kelsey is handsome, well put together, rich, so there's no way that they're dating. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, that's also another thing. Her dating history, I mean, after a while, I mean, we got to ask, is it the boyfriends or is it you? If you're, if you're constantly writing these breakup songs and you have, you're running through boyfriends left and right, I mean, questions got to be asked. Could be too popular. Could be too popular. What is your... I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your worst fear? Maybe not your worst, but one of your worst fears. Ooh. Probably uh, open water. Okay. Yeah, I was... It's a bit anticlimactic. No, no, no. I'm just going in a totally different direction. That's a very fair and honestly uh, a fear I share uh, in the same. I have like... There's this one where it's like... uh, There's like... I'll look it up. But it's like something with like gigantic... Like images or like gigantic like buildings or statues where if it's like it's like i'll i'll look it up i'll it's like it's like a fear of like something that's insanely big and then like open water like is part of that because like i don't want to be in the ocean and i'm like not seeing land yeah not seeing anything because it's so dark down there so like it i i have to look it up but it's like something like that um ocean or open water i should say is one for me as well but another one is if you're talking crap about someone, like, you know, obviously over social media, and you accidentally send it to them. Like, you're talking about Joe Schmo to your friends. Like, oh, I can't believe Joe said that. What an idiot. But you don't realize, oh, I'm sending it right to Joe? That happened to me. Now, thankfully, it wasn't, it could have been worse, but that actually happened to me recently. So my girlfriend's a big interior designer. One of the people she likes to follow and one person she enjoys her content of is this woman, Shay McGee who has a TV show. Her and her husband now are big-time interior designers. She's big-time, big-time, big-time. My girlfriend sent me a photo of Shay and her husband one time. Like, just It was like a weird post. It was like a weird photo. Like, uh, what, like why would you do that? So I looked at that photo. I'm like, huh. 
Why? So let me respond back. She sent to me on Instagram. I'm like, I don't know what's worse, like the shirt or the pose. What I didn't realize is I thought I was sending to my girlfriend, like in her DMs. I must have clicked the picture or clicked the person's profile and I sent that message to her actual, um, to Shay's actual profile. Now she has like millions of followers, so I doubt she saw it. It's not one of those like, She'll see oh, every okay. DM. Like I was gonna she say, probably has a ton of DMs unread. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I actually like when you if you were to like send that to a friend, it actually would be like kind of funny to like read back. Like oh, like you're just like dissing me or it's just like banter or whatever. But I mean like maybe Look, not. Get, yeah, I was gonna say if it's too serious, I feel like I mean I feel like if it was me, I would get like offended. Yeah, but I mean from my point of view, I I, I would see it as harmless. But thankfully, um, again, she's too popular for her to see it. But I'm like, holy cow. Thank God that happened to someone I don't know. Like, it's not going to get back to my girlfriend that she, like, I'm associated with her. So, it's, I mean, they don't even, she doesn't even right. know who she is. So, it's one of those where it's like one of those no harm, no foul sort of things. But I'm like, boy, this happens to, like, a friend. I'm in hot water. That's one of those where I usually I feel like I'm pretty careful. If you want to talk crap, you know, behind someone's back, of course, uh, getting with, uh, away with it slyly, but not in this case. Fear almost realized in a really brutal way. Also, I found out the name of the large object thing. It's called Meg... Jesus, this is long. Can you even pronounce M- it? Megalophobia. Megalophobia. Okay, and it's a fear of large objects. Large objects, yeah. Like, I'm just, like, looking at... Yeah, it's it's just, like, it's more like... So you live in New York City. Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of the Empire State Building? No, like, buildings are fine. Like, that's, like, more height than okay. anything. Like, it's just, like... Like, just big, like, statues or, like... like... The Statue of Liberty, would you be able to stand next to it? Yeah, like, like I, I, I don't think I would be able to do Christ the Redeemer. Like, in Brazil. Interesting. Uh, yeah, like, that would be, like, take a picture and let's go. Like, I, that, that would be kind of me, but... Okay. Yeah, there's, like, one of, like, this, like, like, a bridge and, like, a massive hand holding it up. Like, that would be, like, just creepy to me. You're out. Okay, you're out. Interesting. All right, learn something new every day. I appreciate the new info. Really fast here, third thought here, three of three. Fall, there's only three redeeming qualities about fall. Now that, unfortunately, we got some chilly weather today. Football, bonfire smell, Halloween Oreos. The Oreos with the orange filling. They're the same, but I swear they taste different.